Hi guys, welcome to Made It Happen Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hayflin. Made It Happen Podcast is a series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with young female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. So today I'm here with Lauren Cook. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me here today. Oh, thanks, Sarah, so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So how about we start us off by having you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your business? Absolutely. So my name is Dr. Lauren Cook, and that's a new title for me. Actually, just over the weekend, um, it was officially confirmed that I got my doctorate in clinical psychology. So I'm on the path to becoming a licensed psychologist. I currently am working at the Claremont Colleges, um, where I primarily work with college and university students, supporting them in their mental health. And then I also work as a speaker and an author, although my speaking has mainly become virtual at this point right now. Um, but I do love to speak with audiences and in terms of corporate and university settings about how we can help foster people's mental health and have healthy conversations about mental health and decrease the stigma around mental illness. And then I've also written two books called The Sunny Side Up, which is all about how to integrate more joy and happiness in your life and name your story, which is all about how to teach people about how they can have conversations around mental health. So that's just a little bit about me to get us started. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of, lot of different parts there. So I guess getting started, how did you first get into this industry? Yeah. You know, I think so many therapists, they'll tell you that, you know, they got into this industry because they want to help other people. And I think that's definitely true. I knew that I wanted to help other people as a therapist, but I'm also fascinated by the human psyche. I mean, I'll tell you, there's never a day with my job working with clients that's not interesting in some way. Every human being has such an interesting story. And I continue to find the work more and more fascinating to just know why we do the things we do in our lives. And honestly, what I would say more importantly is seeing how resilient human beings are. You know, a lot of people tell me, how are you a therapist? Isn't it so hard to hear, you know, the terrible things people have gone through? And yes, I do hear a lot of really painful things, but I also get to see firsthand how incredibly hardy and resilient people are and how much they overcome. And that is such inspiring work to see. Um, So if anything, I just find my work so motivating to see how incredible humans can be. Um, it's, It's pretty inspiring to see. Yeah, absolutely. And then with that, you also have, like you said, have written two books. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to do this and sort of about the process of writing these books? Yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) my, my journey to write my first book, The Sunny Side Up, you know, I remember my my cousin got this book called The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin for her birthday. And I was 18 years old at the time. I'm 29 now. And, you know, I remember her opening that book up as a present. And I, I thought to myself, I would love to write a book like that someday. And so 
I actually ended up reading The Happiness Project and reached out to the author, Gretchen Rubin, and said, hi, I would love to write a teen edition of The Happiness Project with you. This is from my, my dorm room bunk bed at UCLA. And, you know, she actually wrote me back within about an hour and she said, oh, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> and, um, and with that rejection, I thought, well, hey, why can't I write my own book? And so I started writing all throughout college. I really wanted to know what my peers, what brought them happiness and a sense of meaning in their life. And so I interviewed hundreds of students about what joy looked like for them. And that led to the, the publishing of my first book. Um, and from that, you know, it really led to my speaking career as well, because I started having some groups say, hey, we love the book. Can you come in and speak? And I realized, oh, my gosh, speaking is so much fun. It's it's really nerve wracking and scary, but it's a really challenging thrill. And so I started speaking more. And through that journey, as I was speaking on happiness with people, I was finding that for so many people, they were struggling not just to be happy, but to just be okay. And so from that, I realized, you know what, I need to write a second book about how to help people with their mental health, because it's not even about finding joy. It's about how do I get through the day sometimes. And so I wanted to really create another book for people, and that was Name Your Story, to give them tools to be able to cope on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, that was really important work to me. And so that, that was a really fun second book to write that I think has had a lot of impact for people. At least that's my hope. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. And I, I love that story of how you got into that. And, you know, you had said you had talked to a lot of different people in the process of writing these books. Um, was there something that really stands out to you that you learned through these interviews and through writing your book or even just about yourself in the process? Yeah, yeah. So something that I found really interesting in my work is that, you know, we often say that happiness is, you know, uh, a new car or a shopping spree or, you know, these, these material things, right? We think it gives us a little endorphin boost. And the research shows that you do get a little dopamine kick um, with those things. However, when I asked people what brought them happiness in their life, they never told me about anything like that. They told me about the people in their lives and about the relationships and the experiences that they shared with people. That is what brought them so much happiness and joy. And so to me, it really, it really brought out how important gratitude is to cultivate in our lives. You know, if our relationships are something that bring us so much joy, we need to celebrate that and really take time to appreciate that, right? It's, it's such a gift to have certain people in our lives. So that was something that profoundly changed how I operated in the world because I no longer took the people in my life for granted. And something else that I saw through writing that first book was that, you know, so many of us, we go through our lives saying, I'll be happy next week, or I'll be happy when I get through this tough week at work or this hard week at school. And really, when we live that, our lives that way, we're wishing our time away. We're wishing our lives away, right? And so part of my work is helping people realize, no, how can I be happy in the here and now? How can I still find meaning in this experience? Even if it's tough and it's difficult, how do I be grateful for this moment rather than wish my time away? So that's been a game changer in how I experience my life. And my hope is that for people who come in contact with that book and the, with this work, it's a game changer for them as well so that 
they're not wishing their time or their lives away too. Yeah, absolutely. Those, that's some really great points there. And I think, um, you know, some really great insights for anybody that's listening at all. And also, you also touched upon there, you know, about with mental health and during stressful times. Um, and, you know, right now, especially with COVID-19, it is very stressful for many people. Is there sort of um, one piece of advice maybe you'd give to people who might be struggling right now or how to deal with the stress during this time? Yeah, I think there's so many of us who are struggling right now, right? I mean, I don't know anybody who's not having a hard time in one way or the other. I really try and help my clients integrate what we call radical acceptance, which is really, you know, it's a whole shift in your perspective because so many of us right now are fighting, we're pushing against it, um, all the stress in our lives, and that often activates us even more. It adds an added layer of stress. But if we can integrate this idea of radical acceptance, which really comes from a, a, a sense of mindfulness, right, of knowing that, you know what, I can ride these waves out and these waves are not going to be comfortable. It's going to be a, really uncomfortable, but I can still get through this time and I can accept what comes to me. And the way we can do that is by really getting in touch with our own sense of resilience, of knowing that we are capable to navigate through these storms. And again, knowing that it's not going to feel good. We need to acknowledge all the emotions we're going to have through this experience and learn to sit with it. We call that distress tolerance of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. But when we learn that we can navigate through that, it really shifts how we go through this experience because we know we're strong. We know we're resilient to get through it and we're going to get through to see another day. Um, so that radical acceptance is something that I would really invite all of your listeners to think about how they can practice to really accept this experience with open arms rather than fight against it, because that fight against is going to exhaust you even more and only exacerbate the distress. Yes, absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think those are some really great points that, you know, people can really take away and how to overcome this right now. And then you'd also, so you do, you know, public speaking, you do your own practice, you wrote your own books. How do you manage your time, um, you know, with owning your own business and going through all of these different um, aspects? That's a great question, Sarah. That's something I'm still working on on a daily basis. Yeah, it's two parts. One, I'd say, you know, organization is really key for me. Uh, I have a daily to-do list, and that's a ritual that I really celebrate in my life. I start my day out that way, and I really just write down everything that I'd like to do in the day. Now, here's the thing, though, because I find a lot of people, they become pretty rigid with their to-do list, and they feel like they need to accomplish every single thing they write down for the day. I'm the opposite. If I get 50% of the things done on my to-do list, that's a successful day for me. And it's all about being okay with not always finishing things. I think that's hard for a lot of us, right? So even if I've made 50% progress for the day, that's really good. And that's when I really give myself permission of, okay, let's make time for some self-care, whether that's a hot bath or making sure I go out for a walk for the day. Uh, especially as a therapist, it is so important that I take good care of myself so that I can help take care of other people too. So we never want to give ourselves a sense of guilt or shame for taking time off for self-care. It, it's something that really requires intentionality. And that's something I'm always adding to my to-do list too, to make time to just 
simply rest. Yes, absolutely. I definitely agree. I think that's a really great point. Um, you know, self-care is definitely so important. And I think some people, you know, sometimes forget that, but it is a really mm. key point there. Has there been any other sort of challenges that you've had to overcome with owning your own business, either through your practice or while you were writing your books or even public speaking? Was there sort of one big challenge that you've overcome with these? Oh, so many challenges. I mean, where to begin? <laughs> I think, you know, that's part of the work, right? Like if we can embrace the challenges, I think a lot of us are afraid of the challenges. So we just avoid it altogether and we don't dive in. Um, or, you know, it, it's something that we fight against. And I think, you know, for me, there's, like I said, there's been so many challenges. I know my own experience of anxiety can certainly you know, try to take away my experience sometimes, you know, I definitely struggle with having panic attacks. Uh, and I've even had panic attacks while I've been on the stage speaking before. And it's so uncomfortable. It's not easy. And I know there are definitely times when I feel like, you know what, it would be easier to step outside the ring and not do speaking anymore, because I wouldn't be having as many panic attacks. But that's letting the panic win right? And I know how passionate I am about this work. I know I feel called to do this work. And if I were to let my anxiety and my panic get in the way of that, you know, it would be one, letting, letting the anxiety do the work rather than myself do the work. And what kind of, you know, message would I be sending to other people too, who I'm trying to encourage to lean in, even as they maybe have mental health struggles as well. Um, you know, avoidance is not the answer. And so part of my work is teaching people that even if it's uncomfortable, whether you're actively experiencing a panic attack or you're having negative thoughts that are telling you you're not smart enough, capable enough, you name it, you know, it's so important that we're aware of those things, but we lean in and do the work anyway. Uh, and so I'm ever aware of those challenges, but I really try and not let those challenges stop me from doing what I feel really called to do. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. And, you know, it's great that, you know, you have learned, you know, different ways to overcome this. And another thing that you've talked about before, um, and I know that a lot of, especially female entrepreneurs go through is imposter syndrome. Um, mm. And, you know, I think this is something that a lot of people deal with. What's some ways that, you know, people can try and overcome this um, or even just accept it and, you know, just come come out on the other side through it. Yeah, Sarah, I love that you're asking that question because you're right. I do find that so many people, women especially, we sometimes can be the first ones to want to sit in the corner and not want to bother anyone, you know? And I often tell women, I want you to bother people. <laughs> I want you to raise your hand, to use your voice, to step into the space even if it's uncomfortable and just expect that it will be uncomfortable, right? This is what I'm talking about with distress tolerance, this idea of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. We're never going to move out of that imposter syndrome if we don't learn to just accept the discomfort. And if we can know that the discomfort is a sign that we're leaning into our courage rather than a sign that we're in over our head, it's going to shift how we show up into different spaces. And so I really do encourage people to implement a sense of fearlessness. You know, how can you tap into your five seconds of courage to 
send that email to give that person a call. And I'm not just talking about this professionally. I'm talking about personally too, right? I mean, I asked my husband out on a date. I didn't wait for him to come to me. So if there's something that inspires you, a person that you're interested in, reach out. What do you have to lose, right? I mean, that person may say no or reject your offer. That's okay. You can go to sleep at night knowing, hey, I did everything I could to show up wholeheartedly. And that deserves a major pat on the back, right? And so really the only way we're going to move through imposter syndrome is if we show up and we lean in. Imposter syndrome is telling us, hey, you should sit at home. You know, don't send that email. Don't bother that person. And when you avoid leaning in, you let your imposter syndrome win. So I really invite everyone listening, the ladies especially, to send that email, to reach out. That's really the only way that you're going to see that imposter syndrome start to hide away. Yes, definitely. I, I love that. And I think that's a really great piece of advice for anyone that's listening at all. So thank you so much for sharing that. And then on the other side, is there any big, really big successful moments that sort of come to your mind throughout your journey, um, either with your business or writing books or your speaker series or anything like that? One big moment that sort of stands out to you? Oh, Honestly, just this past weekend, you know, we launched my whole new brand, um, the Dr. Lauren Cook brand, and we launched a whole new curriculum to help people with their decision making. Um, so check that out if you are struggling with a big decision in your life or you struggle with indecision in general. That was, you know, such a big milestone for me to launch this brand because, you know, previously before I had had the Sunny Girl brand where I spoke on happiness and I wore a yellow dress with every talk that I gave and I loved that work, but it really evolved more into mental health and me pursuing my doctorate. And that was a six-year journey. So this past weekend really marked, you know, graduating, getting that doctorate, being able to say, hey, I'm, I'm a doctor now. That is so exciting. Um, and just getting to see all the support from people this past weekend with the new website that, you know, we've been working on for over a year. Uh, so that was a pretty big milestone that I'm still celebrating as I'm talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and congratulations, because that definitely is a big milestone. And that's, that's amazing. And so I guess, can you maybe tell us a bit about this rebrand? Because I know, you know, a lot of people, a lot of businesses or owners or anything, they do go through these rebrands. Do you have any um, advice for someone who's maybe thinking of doing one or, you know, how this process went for you? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest with you, this was at least a year-long journey for me. I really wanted to put a lot of thought into it, especially as the Sunny Girl brand that I developed, you know, had been over six years in the making. And so this new brand, I, I remember feeling really overwhelmed at first of like, where do I even take this next? And I actually hired a brand manager, Christine Sickles, with her story. Uh, I can share the information with, with your listeners. She was so incredible to work with. You know, we had three different coaching sessions and we just got down in the dirt together about hey, what is something that you're really passionate about? What do you want this to look like moving forward? And I really realized through that work, you know, it is so important to me to help my clients identify what they value. 
helping people understand what brings them a sense of meaning and purpose in their life. And that even shaped, you know, the new curriculum that I have about the decision principles about teaching people, what are your values and how do we use those values to inform your decision-making process? And so taking that time to work with somebody who didn't really know me beforehand, you know, we really got to have honest and authentic conversations from the outside in and then from the inside out about what we wanted this new brand to look like. And, you know, from that, we were able to come up with my new tagline, which is live what you believe, love who you are. And that just feels so like me, so like the work that I do. And working with Christine was just such a helpful resource for me. And so I really recommend for all of your listeners, if they are thinking about a brand launch, oh, (laughs) my phone's chiming in. It's worth the investment to have somebody sit with you, you know, give you the questions and challenge you where you need it so that you are really going into the next phase and the next step with your brand in a way that you feel really confident and secure in. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely great advice. I, and I'm so happy that, you know, that it was, you were able to, you know, make it that way there. And I guess that means there's probably a lot coming up um, in the future for yourself and your new brand. Is there anything you'd like to share for the future plans of your business? Yeah, I mean, my hope is to have a private practice. Uh, It takes about a year to get licensure as a psychologist. So that's what I'm working on this coming year. Uh, And hopefully, you know, getting that private, private practice, that is something I'm so excited about. Wow. Yeah. I'm very excited to see that what happens with that as well. And I think that's going to be, I think that'll be absolutely great. Um, So looking forward to that. And then if you could, um, what's one thing that you would say to yourself when you were first starting off in the industry or with your business? Um, If you could go back and, you know, say one thing to yourself, then what would that be? Mm. I've been reflecting on that a lot lately, especially with this new transition. I would say, you know what, you don't need a title to step into a space. I think I really bought into the idea of, you know, I'm not credible, I'm not worthy until I have that doctorate. And yes, I think it's so important that I've spent this time with my education and really learning, you know, what are the the best evidence-based practices for clients. I think that's been crucial, but I don't think it's an excuse to not show up into the space. So if you're passionate about mental health, you don't need to have a doctorate to be fighting the stigma against mental illness, right? If there's something you're passionate about, yes, get your education. That's awesome. But don't use that as an excuse to not show up beforehand. And I think I often had that perspective of, well, let me kind of wait in the wings until I'm really ready and I have that doctorate. And that is not true. That is not true. There's no age that should impair you from showing up. I don't care if you're 13, 15, 17. You have valuable things to say and valuable things to offer our community that we can learn from. So share with us, right? I really believe that you don't need to be a certain age or reach a certain milestone to have something worthy to share. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I think that's, that's a really great point there as well. Um, So thank you. And then would you like to let our listeners know where they can find you or your business online? 
Absolutely. So I'm most active on my Instagram account. So would love if you'd give me a follow. I'm at Cook, and I'm providing daily mental health content and support for you there. So hopefully that can be of great help to you. Our website is www.drlaurencook.com. And I invite you to check out our new decision principles curriculum uh, with all kinds of video modules for you and a personalized handbook to help you make a decision. Everything from struggling with, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should I have a child? Should I take this job or leave this, this job? These big decisions that we're making in our lives right now, the decision principles will help you make that decision confidently and also in a, in a time efficient manner too. I know that's important. Um, and if you'd like to get in touch with me via email, I'm at lauren at drlaurencook.com. I'm doing all kinds of virtual speaking events this fall. So if you're listening and you'd like to have me speak with your corporation or your, your university or your organization, please reach out and I would love to speak with your community. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, Lauren. And I think the work that you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I'm excited to see everything that is to come. Um, and do you just have any final thoughts before we wrap up here for our listeners? Well, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I think this is so awesome, the work that you're doing. I think all the women's encouragement and empowerment we can get, the better. And so I love that you are creating that space. And one thing I would just, the final thing I would really encourage all of, all of your listeners is this idea to just really support one another. I think we feel isolated right now. We feel alone. And especially as entrepreneurs, you know, that same entrepreneurial energy we can have that drive can help us feel like we've got some community, but it can also make us feel like we're competitive sometimes and that we don't have the support that we need. And I would really encourage each and every one to remember that there is room for each of us in this space. We can encourage and cheer on our sisters and know that there is room for everyone at the table. And so please rely on your community and especially your community of women. We need each other. We're going through a hard time. And even when we're not going through a hard time, we still need that community of support. So rather than see your fellow entrepreneurs as competitors, I invite you to see them as collaborators and to just keep building that community of awesome people in your life. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.